Uh, welcome to the Mr. G podcast. Today is Saturday, February 10th, 2024. It's 68 degrees here in Honolulu, Hawaii, on the outskirts of Chinatown. <clears throat> Coming to you in a grand mood today. It rarely drops below 70 degrees on the island of Oahu in Hawaii, but today is one of the mornings. It's sub 70. <clears throat> I'm going to tell a story today, and the point of the story is the way that time and energy changes as you age, as you get older. Me, I'm 44 years old. I might look younger than every other 44-year-old that you'll ever meet, unless it's like a famous actor, but I am 44 and a half years old, so give credit where credit is due. And I look back uh, with my superior memory about things that I did and things that my twin brother did uh, when we were in our 20s. I have a fraternal twin brother. Uh, we grew up in the same household. Our parents were divorced. Our father had custody. Uh, but we had the same nurture growing up. <clears throat> we're completely different by nature. And we're completely different with how we look. I'm six foot three. He's about six inches shorter. Um, I was always good at speaking and good in school, and he wasn't. <clears throat> I was a very good door-to-door -door salesman. We both worked door-to-door -door sales jobs. Uh, that wasn't his cup of tea either. <clears throat> and the point that I'm getting at is I really get a great insight into nature and nurture and how a lot of uh, things that who we are is just how we're born and that things cannot change. And uh, when you don't have guidance, uh, or parents, we were, uh, you know, didn't have very much guidance growing up or very much encouragement um, from uh, our father who had custody. And uh, you, um, you see it even clearer and you see things like working smart and not hard, something that I do now. Today is a Saturday. For instance, um, from the age of 14 till 18, my brother and I worked as door-to-door -door newspaper salesman in San Antonio, Texas. And Saturday was the big day that you wanna go door-to-door -door selling newspaper subscriptions because that's the day that everybody is home. Sundays are good too, but you, we would usually start a little later on Sundays. And um, on Saturdays, we would all, he would pick us all up from our houses in his big rusty van. Then we would usually go to a Mexican restaurant, have a big breakfast. And then he would drop us off in each neighborhood that we would be working. And um, Saturdays were the days that you weren't trying to hit 15 or 20 sales. And each Saturday, I probably talked to, you know, 200, 300 different customers and walked, you know, three, four miles, and, uh, you know, knocking on all these doors. All of us did, all of the workers. And there's a reason that the workers are ages 14 to 18, because a job like that takes out so much of you. It takes out your physical energy and your mental energy. In comparison, uh, with a door-to-door -door newspaper job, I would knock on 200 doors selling newspaper subscriptions, talk to 200 people. Um, you know, fast forward to the my, my 20s and 30s when I worked at a 7-Eleven, very similar. I would talk to, in an eight-hour shift, about 200 people. They'd come in and that's what I was great at at 7-Eleven, making chit chat, making small talk with people that would come in. And 
the thing is, it would take a lot. I noticed how much it would take out of me mentally. I wasn't physically doing that that much labor. Move. I did move around the store, move the donuts here, move this here, unload this truck here. So there was some physical activity, but not nothing that I wasn't used to. <clears throat> what really drained me at the 7-Eleven jobs in my 20s and 30s was mentally talking to 200 different people every day. And I remember it reminded me when I was a door-to-door newspaper salesman, <clears throat> when you knock on all those doors, you are mentally drained. I remember the first few days of uh, that job, it was me and my brother's first job. We'd come home that night and we'd have dreams of selling newspaper subscriptions just because it was just like, you know, in, embedded in us and we'd wake up the first thing to think of is newspaper subscriptions, you know, <clears throat> and that was our bread and butter for four years. That's our first job. That was the most interesting job you could ever have. And it was the most interesting job that I ever had that I succeeded uh, greatly at. And that taught me more than any other job could possibly teach me. So in the time that I would have been in public high school, I spent the majority of it as a door-to-door newspaper salesman uh, in South Texas. But the point I'm making is I look at today like Saturday and yeah, I'm the same person that used to sell 15, 20 orders on a Saturday and it was easy. John Arnalis, our boss, would pick us up at like 7 a.m. And uh, we'd be the first people we'd pick up because we lived the closest and he'd honk and uh, the door would jump out of bed, put our shoes on and then go out there. And I look at that now and I'm like, dang, 7 a.m. It's like, wow, that's, uh, I mean, I wake up early as fuck. I wake up at 3 a.m. But back then, 7 a.m. on a Saturday morning, it was pretty tired and like, wow, I can't, it was like, uh, you know, well, I'm so tired. But but then I would do the whole day, even though at 3 a.m. we were up the night before, basically still from Friday night. And now even after a full night's sleep, I'm like, I look at 7 a.m. I'm like, dang, imagine going to work for a, a, that job, selling newspaper subscriptions, working all day, knocking on doors until 9 p.m. So picked up at 7 a.m., knocking on doors till 9 p.m. Do not get home till 11 or 12 midnight. And, and, and that wasn't that hard back then. That was just like nothing. I'm like, oh, I'll get off at midnight and we can still drink and have, so have fun and smoke some pot. Because you have unlimited energy to an extent when you're young. You, it seems like you have unlimited time and you're like, how did I fit all those activities in during such a short period of time? Or I look at the time that I worked for the newspaper from age 14 to 18, so four years. I lived at this apartment here for five years. I think of all the adventures and women that I met and uh, the dates that I went on and uh, money that I made and jobs, other jobs besides the newspaper that I had during those four years from age 14 to 18. And I look at the five years that I lived here, it's like, wow, how come I did so much? It feels like I did so much and have so many memories from age 14 to 18 but the five years that I've lived here from 39 to 44, I mean, I do have a lot of memories, but uh, the dates were, were were fewer. The girlfriends were fewer. The friends were fewer, you know, age 14, 18, you have so many different friends. You have, you know, it's it, uh, two years is an eternity at that time. Now it doesn't feel that way. And they've proven that as your older time goes faster, I'm looking for my hourglass, as you get older, time moves, moves faster. And 
Um, like I said at the start of the podcast, you have to work smart and not hard as you get older because you don't have the energy to do dumb shit. And um, l- listening to my brother and following my brother for so long in my 20s and 30s, part of my 30s, wasn't a wise thing to do uh, because he's a terrible leader and he would lead us off of a cliff if he could. Uh, he um, wanted to be the leader being shorter and not as good with women as me uh, and not as good as a talker. He just always wanted to be the leader and always wanted to drive. It was so important for him to drive, drive. The car made him stronger. And uh, and I saw it like it was ridiculous, but I'm like, okay, if that makes you feel better. And like our father lied to us, me and my twin brother and told him that he was two minutes older than me. And then, so growing up, he was like, I'm the firstborn, I'm the oldest, I'm the oldest. And then uh, our mom, who did not have custody of, of us, when we would see her on weekends and holidays, she'd be like, no, Gregory's actually older. I don't know why he's, he's told you that. And then, but Michael, like my twin brother, like he didn't find out until our 20s and 30s. And then we saw on the birth certificate, he's like, oh, I didn't really care anyways, you know? I'm like, yeah, yeah, you did. <laughs> You cared a lot about that. And um, so uh, following him and letting him lead the way was was not a, a wise thing. And I remember Benny, a great friend I had growing up, told me that. A couple of people told me that. They're like, hey, your brother's holding you behind. Don't let him lead you all the way. And, and every time he would try to lead the way, it would not go good. And that's when you're young, you can make mistakes and and, and, and uh, not work smart and not hard. But one thing my brother used to do, he's might be a sociopath. That's how different we are. I feed a hundred street cats every day. And I wonder if my twin brother's a sociopath. I've seen him once or twice in 10 years. Uh, he's somewhere in the woods of Vermont, I believe. But uh, when we were in our late teens and about 20 years old, before I started school, and when I was living at different places, um, they say young people, they're more likely to, to engage in risky behavior and sociopaths are more likely to engage in risky behavior. And one thing my brother used to do that I look back now, that was so crazy. It was crazy that we would waste so much time doing nothing, but it was crazy that he would risk that is um, my brother lived at my mom's house and I wasn't basically allowed to live there for whatever reason, but I would come and go at times and I would be there all the time. So when I didn't have a place to live, I'd go there and to shower and to eat or whatever. And, uh, but my brother just lived there full time, right? And uh, he didn't have a car and I probably just had a beat up truck or a van, but every night my brother would steal my mom's husband's car my mom had a husband named guy and he was a big like 300 pound man like six foot three and he laid on this king size bed and there was three black cats that would lay with him and he would lay on with on the bed and uh and and have the keys right next to him so every night my twin brother michael he would sneak in there and like slowly grab the keys get the keys. Sometimes he'd have to lift up a cat and like, come here, kitty. And he'd grab the keys and me and him would drive from San Antonio to Austin. And Austin was just the coolest city for me. And I always thought my life is going to change. Everything will be great. Once I moved to Austin, the grass is always greener on the other side, but we drive to Austin. We wouldn't get the keys till about midnight. 
because he'd watch the news, which would end at 10. And then he would watch The Simpsons at, at end at 10.30. Then Seinfeld ends at 11. And by the time Frazier came on, uh, he was about out. And as soon as he started snoring loudly, that's when my brother made his move. And like I said, sometimes he had to like lift up one of the black cats. And the cats saw what he was doing the whole time, but they couldn't tell their dad, hey, he's taking the car every day, every night. And I think he must have done it a hundred times before he finally got caught. And we would drive to Santa Austin. And the reason I'm thinking about this is because yesterday morning after I fed feeding the cats at 4 a.m., I was like, okay, I don't have to go back out till 7 a.m. So I have three hours. And then I thought, all right, um, I have enough time to drive to Austin and back because that's basically what we would do. The majority of the trip was in the car and we would drive from San Antonio to Austin on I-35 and my mom's Suzuki Swift and playing the radio was a big deal. He always drove because that was his big thing driving. And I would like, you know, put on good radio or, you know, good, uh, you know, songs. And uh, once we got to Austin, we'd always go straight to the drag across the street from the University of Texas. And we'd go to Metro Coffee Shop and get coffee and sit in their smoking section. And I'd sit there and look over out the window at the University of Texas 40 Acres campus. And I tell Michael, one day I'm going to go to school there. One day I'm going to graduate from there. And I did, uh, with despite all, all, all uh, things that got in my way, I somehow accomplished that. You know, give credit where credit is due. More people have walked on the moon. 12 people have walked on the moon. You're not going to find 12 people that dropped out of high school and graduated from the University of Texas School of Journalism. You won't. Um, so, and 12 people supposedly walked on the moon. But anyways, uh, so we would drive there and I would always get a Chronicle newspaper. This the free Austin newspaper they have. And um, we, we leave at about like 11 or 12 and it takes about an hour, hour, 15 minutes to get to Austin. If you drive fast, you can get there in about an hour. And uh, so we leave at about midnight, get to Austin about 1, 1.30. The drag still has, you know, the 24 hour Metro coffee shop. Um, the Einstein's Arcade, La Fun Arcade, it was 24 hours back then. So we'd go there, we'd eat, eat food. We'd go to Dobie Mall and get slices of pizza at one and 2 a.m. And, um, you know, we thought it was just the coolest thing. And, and I, I was like, oh, all, all, my life will be great. All I have to do is make it to Austin and, and graduate from UT. And like I said, the grass is always greener on the other side. And so uh, looking back, it's like, wow, we spent all the gas money driving up there. You know, we leave at 11 or 12, get there about 1, 1.30, stay for an hour or two, 2.30, 3.30, then drive back, get back about 5 a.m. Guy wakes up at 6 a.m. So Michael had to get the keys back under there, lift up one of the black cats, slide the keys under. And there were a couple of times that we like, uh, got caught up in Austin like something happened I was chatting up a girl or something and we were running late and he uh, had to floor it south on I-35 from Austin to San Antonio like barely making it in time uh, for Guy to wake up and for him to slide the keys under and I think that's what finally caught him uh, he got back a little too late 
And then they started, uh, a guy started sleeping with his door shut and locked. And believe it or not, my brother actually started picking the lock like a cat burglar, picking the lock, slowly opening the door, creeping in there, getting the keys, creeping out, slowly opening the door, going to Austin, coming back, slowly opening the lock. And he did that for briefly, and he couldn't keep that up. He managed to accomplish that just a few times. Uh, the other time, the other time he that he did over a hundred times when the door was open, and the cats never said a word. But like I said, looking back, it's kind of ridiculous. Like at four a.m. now, I'm like, would I drive to Austin and back? Hell no. Like I'm obviously in Hawaii, I can't drive that. But would I drive that distance and back for no reason? No, like no. You know, but when you're young, you do things just to experience it. There's no real benefit to a lot of things, I suppose. That's why they're learning lessons. But you, you don't want to waste all that time, you know, learning. You want to learn the lesson and move on. Uh, we spent, you know, 100 nights driving up to Austin and from San Antonio, and I thought it was going to be so great. And I did manage to become a student at the University of Texas, and I did graduate, and I did write a book about it as well. So you can't, like you know, achieve as much as there, but it, it wouldn't matter how many A's that I made in classes. It wouldn't matter how many friends I made, how many women I dated. It wouldn't matter because there's always a higher number that's always greater. And you look at when you're creating content, you don't want to look at the numbers on how many videos, views you get. Because if you're used to getting 300 views, you'll be looking and looking 10, 20 times a day. Oh, 400 views. Does that really help your situation or even your view count? No. If you're used to getting like a thousand views a day and you're trying to get 5,000, like thousand, thousand, and then you finally see one, 2,000. Oh yeah, yeah. No, no, no. You just want to like, just not even look at that. You know, if you really enjoy making content, which you have to do every day, since everybody's making content, you have to make content every day. If you want to be successful, you don't even want to look at the numbers because, uh, you know, you want to do it for the enjoyment of doing it. Like I do for this podcast, I genuinely enjoy doing this um the mr g podcast the gregory brandt podcast is available wherever you listen to podcasts apple podcasts amazon podcasts spotify podcasts and watch episodes in their entirety at twitter.com slash gregory brandt b-r-a-n-d-t and you do things when you're young you you better learn from them because if you do the same things when you're older you'll have even less success that's why i say now would i drive to austin to san antonio for three hours even if i lived in san antonio at an apartment just like this one would i drive to austin you know every other night just for the hell of it to get a chronicle newspaper or to get a cup of coffee at a coffee shop where i could just get a coffee a cup of coffee at a coffee shop in san antonio oh but austin's cool austin's better austin has the best radio stations and that was the thing too like we do go to Austin and it's totally new radio stations. So we'd be chilling at our mom's house, listening to San Antonio radio stations, then there, which were okay. But Austin had the cool radio stations, 101X and 107.9 and 90.5 and 89.7. And so we wanted to drive up the highway. And as soon as we got the good radio stations, the good oldie stations, 103.5, the good, you know, alternative rock station, 101.5. As soon as we we got out of 99.5 Kisses airwaves, their gravitational pull, as soon as we got out of there, it seemed like, oh, everything's cool. Everything's awesome. 
And there was some truth to that. You know, if we wanted to buy LSD, all we had to do was drive to Guadalupe Street, the drag, and people were selling into the corners. We didn't know of any place in San Antonio like that. We didn't know of any coffee shops in San Antonio. This was the late 90s before Starbucks took over. So there weren't Starbucks. It was a great thing. All the coffee shops were like indie little art houses with couches and uh, cool music and record players. And a lot of people smoked back then in coffee shops. And uh, it was a different time. It was less commercial. Uh, it was less uh, cold and less corporate, I should say. But, um, you know, times change. And uh, the point I was making is you have to be smart when you're older. You, you, you work smart, not hard. And hey, I guess that's a benefit for me. That's why um, I feel I'm, I, I like where I'm at in life and I like where I've gotten to and I've gotten there with my brain. Uh, I'm a smart person. And so working smart, not hard is a good thing. Following my brother's lead who would work hard, but not smart. The only person that could work harder than myself is my twin brother in my whole life. The only person I've seen that to be able to work harder is my twin brother, but he does not work smart. He works hard, but he does not work smart. He's the type of guy that will walk eight miles to save 50 cents on a coupon. You know, it'll take you two and a half hours to walk eight miles. Is two and a half of your hours worth 50 cents? Is that what you would be paid an hour? You know, no. So you want to work smart, not hard. And I've figured out how to do that. And thank God, because I can't knock on doors like I did when I was a teenager and sell newspaper subscriptions on a Saturday. I need to get my work done fast on a Saturday. I need to wake up early and I need to uh, get the most bang for my buck. And that's what I'm doing in this recording. That's what I'm doing with this podcast. I'm getting the most bang for my buck. What am I good at? I'm good at talking. I'm good at speaking. I'm good at explaining. I'm good at teaching. I'm good at storytelling. All the skills that I'm good at, I'm using here in this brief period of time. So thank you for listening. And my name is Gregory Brandt. Follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Gregory Brandt. I also have five YouTube channels. Uh, you get a prize if you follow me on all five YouTube channels and my Twitter. Thanks for watching.